Today on the show, we're talking about why to buy a used car. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and this is Simple Money Solutions Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my co-host Trevor, and we're doing part one of a two-part annual series that we do on used cars. Yeah, the used car thing, I think we need to do it every year just to put some normalcy around the concept of a used car. And I think people are probably surrounded by new car owners all year long and slowly, just say they listened to our episode last year and they're just pumped up about used cars and then slowly over time, the new car making sense starts to creep in by all the people they work with and their friends and their family. And before you know it, they they go 11 months later they forget, you know, why is a why would I even think about buying a used car? Everybody I know drives a new car. So I think we need to do this at least once a year just to put some sanity on the concept of owning a used car. No, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that because anyone listening to this podcast or anyone who owns a used car and is surrounded by maybe individuals who own used cars as well, it can kind of maybe sometimes feel like the norm, but it's, it's a great point, Trevor. If, if you do own a new car or, or again, are not surrounded by individuals who own um, used cars, it can kind of feel like this out of the box um, solution. Well, and it, it starts, you start to question, you know, it, it does, it, does this even make sense? You know, am I, am I doing the right thing? If, if everybody around me is driving a, a brand new $65,000 truck, <laughs> I can't help myself, sorry. <laughs> uh, and I'm driving this, you know, 10 year old Honda Civic, you know, maybe I'm the one who's missing something. And that, that's the, that's the fear is, is new cars start, it starts to look normal, the the more you're surrounded by it. So I'm hoping, uh, you know, us in your ears, your friends every week are here to convince you that, no, you're not crazy. Either you, this is this is to motivate you to stay with the new used car or your next car will be a used car. We're here to convert either way. you. <laughs> yeah, we're there to convert you or keep you converted. <laughs> so I, I, think, I think my first question for you, Trevor, is, I mean and we'll go again this is the whole episode about why to buy a used car used cars but we kind of we'll dive into that later but is this whole used car buying thing is is this a solution for everyone is there anyone who maybe needs that new car who would benefit from owning a new car because if i'm a listener that's my first question for you i can't think of a single reason for anybody to buy a new car except i I will say I, i need somebody to buy new cars so there's used cars for us financially responsible people to buy <laughs> so somebody's got somebody's got to buy the new cars at some point right otherwise the used cars would eventually run out but in saying that i mean even somebody who makes a living with their vehicle those people of all people are probably even a more uh, even a better candidate for a used car than somebody who just uses it for basic transportation but i really i just can't think of any situation where a used car would not be a better fit than a new car. Ooh, but what if, what if my hobby and my passion is, is, is cars? What if, what if that's my thing? What if, what if I'm frugal everywhere else, but I love cars and I I want to own this brand new um, car X. So that's, that's a good, that's a really good question. And I'm going to say, I don't like your chances of being a frugal person 
in every aspect of your life except cars. I just, anybody who owns, anyone who covets cars the way you're describing, they are tied up in status, chances are. And I, I can't imagine somebody, you know, having just this huge appetite for BMWs or, or Audis or, or high-end cars and they're frugal in every other aspect of the life. It just, it doesn't make sense. Being in that fancy car is just going to perpetuate itself throughout the rest of your, your, all, all aspects of your life. Like you, you're not going to drive a, well, I'm not saying you're not, but you're, you're highly unlikely going to drive a really fancy car and, and not have some sort of higher taste appetite for other things. No, I agree with you. When you when you kind of get that that taste for for luxury, it's it's hard to. And it, it, That's it, the word you hit it right there. When you have when you get the taste of luxury in your car, and we, depending on where you work and where you live, you, you might spend a, a quite a bit of time in your car. So if you're in this high end car with these fancy leather seats and all the gadgetry you could imagine, and then just say you leave that and you go into your house where you're. You're, you're going to go sit on a, a threadbare couch that has string spring sticking out of it and you have an old tube style TV and, and, and you know, rickety kitchen chairs and everything in your house sort of run down and then you get into this really fancy, well-equipped car. I just can't imagine somebody making that transition on a daily basis. Because we have mentioned before how you can kind of can fall trapped to that whole fancy neighborhood, fancy house, and and like you said, fancy everything else inside of it. So when your when your car just doesn't quite match everything else in your in your home, it can look a little outdated and 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 run down. And I'm going to say most if if you were to survey and get the honest response from most people who drive really high end cars, I think you would find that they are. I'm going to. Like those will have to have to represent a status symbol at some level to those people. Sure, they might be caught up. There's the odd person that would be really just taken by the the pure, just pure engineering of a fancy car. But I would say the average person, they're in that car for the status. They're not in it for the engineering. No, that's that's a valid point. And and when it comes to, I'm gonna throw the word, the T word out there, the truck. When it comes to the truck. Is it okay if to to buy that used truck if it's new and to drive that that used truck around or or should we should we is that buy more car than we need is it, where does that line kind of come? We, oh, this is a car the show about why to buy a used car. Are we focusing primarily on cars? Well, you raise a good question. So I'm going to talk about trucks in that we're going to get into um, the how to buy cars next week, but the. Trucks are something that they tend to not lose their value as much as a car. That's been my, and, and I've looked at them, not that I want one, but I've done my research and they don't appear to lose their value like a car. I, a car will depreciate at a faster rate than a truck. So it's just, I, I think buying a, a used truck is is po- possibly the, the worst used vehicle you could buy. Wow. No, I, I agree with that. And we always say, we do say that if it's, if you drive it around like a car, then you might just need a car. But if you need a truck, I mean, if you need a truck because you, you work on a farm or you're a contractor or you're making money from your truck, I mean, if that is you, 
then by all means, get your truck because a car will not meet your needs. But the average person, they, you know, a, a car and a utility trailer are going to meet your needs. You do not need a truck. So Trevor, when we're talking, and we, we, I know we are going to get into the, to the whys, the hard why we should do that. But if we have our ego on the line, if, if, if we never owned a used car before and, and always knew, how do we get over that kind of initial stage of, of being afraid of what people around us will think about, and, ju- and I don't maybe judge us or whatever, whatever that kind of thing inside of you that's holding you back from maybe owning a used vehicle? So I, I've made that transition and it's a big pill to swallow. It, it, it takes a lot of self-discipline to say, you know, I'm not going to get another new car. Um, it, it's definitely hit to the pride, but you, I, I did mine in conjunction with having a family. So it, it, it's like a, a life event happened at the same time. I, my next vehicle was not new. So th- it's easier to swallow or easier like if you combine buying your first home and the next car you buy is secondhand you know that those kind of things make it a little easier because there's a life event but if if you just were buying new car every two or three years and all of a sudden you bought a five-year-old car that's going to be like you're, you're used to being excited about a new car and when you finally get that first used car you, you, it's really hard to be excited about a secondhand car when you've had this constant uh, hit of brand new cars. So it, it, that it that is a really hard transition. I, I, there's no way to soften that blow. But it sounds like for you, that kind of driving factor and driving force behind owning a used car was just a, like you said, a kind of a life or change of of of, of life and and the events that were happening in your life. So would you say that maybe? That maybe our listeners, if, if they have a new car and they're looking for the opportunity to to really embrace a use, to kind of just seek out that opportunity that makes sense to make that transition. Well, you know, we're going to be doing a show in in, a, in the future, and it's a it's about unfortunate events and how that impacts your financial life. And a lot of times, it's going to be a, a life event that's going to move you to do this because we we don't tend to. I mean, if we've managed to afford a brand new car in our budget, just, just say we, we could afford it on paper. I mean, it doesn't make it a good idea, but it worked in our budget. The, the car payments did. The only, the only thing that's going to make us stop doing that is when uh, some life event happens that, that's going to consume more money in your budget. So a lot of times, nobody's making that transition uh, like without a life event happening in front of them. But I'm hoping we can convince people here on this episode to it's even better if you can not have a life event happen to motivate you to do this because that's just money in the bank. Oh, definitely. So, um, and and right before we do jump into the whys, um, we did get a listener email um, from an individual named Kayla and um, she unfortunately had a a not so great experience um, with a used car and ended up costing her money and and she and she said she said that she overheard someone saying when you buy someone else's car you're buying someone else's problems and that the next time um she goes to purchase a car it'll be an economic vehicle with a brand new warranty so if if we're looking at this and and hearing this how do we uh, what are we what are we saying to maybe Michaela and any other listener who's had 
maybe negative experience with a used car or, or maybe are afraid to venture down that path because of someone else's kind of less than ideal experience? Well, whenever you're buying something used secondhand, you as, as a, a responsible buyer of, of in the used market, you have to look at something that you're buying and saying and ask, why is it for sale? Why, why is this thing for sale? Is it, is it that it's worn out? Is it that it, you know, does it look like, even with clothes, does it look like somebody wore these pants out or did they actually outgrow them? You know, the, I, I don't want to ever buy the pants if somebody wore them out. I do want to buy the pants from somebody who outgrew them, right? Because they're, they're going to be barely worn. So when you're buying a car, we're going to, next week we're going to touch on how to buy a used car. But one of my rules about buying a used car is I only buy cars that have been returned from a lease. So therefore, I, ha- I have answered the question of why this is for sale. And I, I think if, if, you can't, if you can't look at this car, test drive it, and analyze why these people might not want this car anymore, maybe their family's outgrowing it, right? So it's still a, a reliable piece of transportation. It just doesn't meet that person's needs anymore, but it will meet yours. So you really need to understand why this car is for sale. And if you can answer the why with a degree of confidence, you'll never know for sure, right? But you, if you can answer, answer it with some degree of confidence, then all of a sudden you're in a better position to assess what you're getting in, in exchange for the money. I like that. I really like that. That's no, I, it's a great philosophy that can be applied, like you said, to anything. Uh, thank you. And what, what, one more comment I wanted to make, though, and this could relate to the, our email is you really need to have to assess whether you actually need a car. I mean, that's actually the first step in, in buying a, a car, a used car or a car of any kind is, is really truly assess your need for a car. And a lot of times we grew up in a culture, we, we just assume owning a car is a rite of passage. You know, the, now I'm an adult, I have a car. But I mean, if you live in the downtown core of any major city with any kind of public transit system, a car actually represents a burden. It's actually a problem oh, that you have to deal with on on a daily basis. So I, I would ask everyone to, you know, go and see how much it costs to actually rent a car. Renting a car periodically is not that expensive when you compare it to the the daily cost of owning a car in a, in a downtown core of a city. So I think that, that that is actually step one is do I actually need a car 365 days a year. I, I love that point. I'm glad you mentioned that because there's definitely, we, we live in a society where we don't feel like we're an adult. Maybe I know I'm in that stage right now where I'm, I'm, but then I'm fortunate enough to live in a city where a lot of, of people bus, bus to get to work. I, I happen to go through the downtown core, my way to work. And it really, that really reinforces every day why I am doing what I'm doing. And to your point as well, I mean, we can, maybe we can get in our heads and justify, oh, it's, it's, it's fine that I get a car because I'm buying it used. But to your point, Trevor, do you even need a car in the first place? I, I love that. And there's, there's a lot of uh, operating costs to a car. So forget the actual cash layout for the car itself. Even if, like you say, if you bought used, you're, you're still, you're getting a deal, but the, the insurance, the licensing, the, the maintenance, the, the fuel costs, and if you're in a downtown core, the parking costs of, of this, these are all constant expenses that these, these cars are eating up. 
And you could quickly do a cost-benefit analysis of re- the, if you figured out just how many times you might rent a car, just say, say you go on vacation, maybe you go away to visit family, uh, you might just randomly need one, just say you rented a car once a month, just for, for a day or for a weekend, say every other month, just just come up with a number. You can quickly figure out, call around and see what it costs to rent a car and then put that into a spreadsheet. And then you could get quotes on insurance. You can figure out what how much it's going to cost to park your car. You can ask somebody who will give you an honest answer. I know I would if somebody asked me, how much do you spend on maintenance for your car? How much do you spend on licensing it? How much do you spend on fuel? Now that's going to vary depending on how much, how many the distance you drive. But you can quickly, it, it, with a little bit of effort, you can come up with a break-even analysis of this is what it costs me to own a car. This is my perceived amount I would rent a car for. And once you know you were, you're consistently renting a car and, and it's costing you what, what you figure it would cost to own one, okay, then now you have a decision to make. But I'll bet you most people who live in the downtown of a metropolitan city, they own cars when I think for the number of times they actually drive them, renting it would probably be the better choice. So uh, thank you, Michaela, for your email and, and, and really shedding light on your experiences um, with a used car. It's, 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 it's enlightening. Um, and, and so, Trevor, I do want to move now on to the list that you've assembled for this episode um, on your six reasons why you should buy a used car. So before we begin, is this list in any particular order? Um, not necessarily, no. All right, so let's let's dive into point number one. Um, point number one is it's not a status symbol; it's transportation. So we have touched on this, but is I, I'd I'd like you to elaborate on this point because it's it's important. Well, if you can't get past a car not being a status symbol, then your your car buying decisions, your car buying mentality is going to be so distorted and so off kilter that you might as well just go buy a new one because the, this if if you are buying it for anything but pure transportation and pure economical transportation, then you are just, if it's a status symbol, then I, I, I know I can't help you. It, it represents something that I, I don't understand. So if, if, and I'm not judging, if, if a car is a status symbol to you, then, and it brings you joy and happiness, by all means, have at it. But I think you just, you, if you want to get ahead financially, a car cannot be a status symbol in your life. So, so just to reiterate that, if if you're if that is something that's a financial priority priority to you, having that status symbol car, then that's okay. You just have to realize that you can have some things, but you can't have everything. Well, and be be prepared to make a, other adjustments in your life. So you could get ahead financially. But if a car represents a status symbol to you, meaning it, it has to be new, it has to be of a certain brand, it has to be uh, very current. I mean, if all those things are have to be's, then, and you still want to be financially independent somewhat early in life, like we talk about on the show, then you need to make significant adjustments in some other aspect of your life. So you you can absolutely be a car guy, but you have to be, a uh, real frugal vacation guy or a real frugal homeowner or real frugal 
every every other thing in your life because a car will consume so much of your money. So what questions can you ask yourself if you're not quite sure if owning a new car is a status symbol or not for you? So I, I think if you're hung up on a particular brand and it's not because of its reliability or if you are... I think if you can, if you're not sort of looking at the lowest common denominator in cars, I mean you're you're not if you have all these have to haves in a car, and the price is not at the top of that list, so, so just say it has to be red, it has to be rear-wheel drive, it has to be a V8 motor, it has to be you know a certain size wheels, uh, if it has to be all these things then you've painted yourself into a corner that you're not likely going to find a used car to meet all those have-tos. So whereas if you're looking for, you know, low kilometers, uh, safe, uh, reliable, you know, nowhere have I mentioned a brand, a color, or options, right? I've mentioned very general needs that I'm meeting. Those are, you know, pretty easy to find in, in almost any car lot, but Trevor, you are you're you're nearing retirement. Maybe the color of your car and the style of your car is not as important if if to you as as someone who is younger. Well, I, I agree with that, but I, I mean, I, pr- is is that so, prove me wrong? Is that is that something that I mean? How what what was your perspective when you were younger? I'm uh, this is just uh, kind of a skeptical listener question who's like Trevor. Maybe you're you you're so comfortable with buying a used car. I mean, did 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 that matter to you at some point? It did, and I wish it didn't. So it, and and so I'm I'm giving you. I wish I didn't care. Like so, I, I, let's go extreme. Let me ask you: Would you drive a sky blue, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, Dodge minivan? <laughs> you know, with for your first car. <laughs> this is pretty extreme, but would you would would you be all over that if if it was at I, I, almost a giveaway price? Oh man. My hands are tied. I, I don't know. Beige interior, oh. by the way. <laughs> Just painting a picture for oh. you. See, that's a tough question. That's a really, like I'm picturing it in my head and that's a tough question. I mean, okay, so realistically, if it's the difference between having a car and not having a car, if I actually... You're, 20, you're 25. <laughs> Just get, get putting some facts around the story. <laughs> If I need a car and that's the difference between having one and not having one, I'd probably drive around and not tell people. Let's just say I'd never drive anyone else around in my my Dodge. Uh, Okay. And the windows aren't tinted either. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just giving you the the image. Okay. I'm probably out on that vehicle as well. Okay. If I'm 25. Okay. So I'm giving you an extreme example. That's very extreme. I hope they don't even make that car, but... It probably exists somewhere. So uh, if I'm 25, I'm out on that. So, But I'm out on that because the chances are that car is for sale because it's ugly. Uh, uh, yeah. So I, I gave you a pretty extreme example. So I'm probably out on that too at age 25, even if it's you know the, the best price on, price on the lot. So you have to find something that meets your needs but at the same time, it's not a status symbol. 
I, I think that there is that expectation that if you make X amount of dollars, if you have a six figure salary, if, if you live in a certain place that you should be driving a certain car, because we've said on the show too, that you can't, that kind of is a real, the one big prominent thing that you can show off to people around you because not everyone can come by and see your house or, or everyone maybe doesn't even see you. They just see your car like that. that so I think there's that kind of big hurdle that that is really in, in the way for for many people. But you know, it's not a sta- a status symbol anymore because you can get an 8-year car loan and, and if you spread the 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 payments over 8 years. It, it, so the idea of it's a status symbol is this is an expensive car and I'm driving it therefore I must have a lot of money. But because you you get you can get 8-year car loans or if you lease it, the lease payments are even less because you're really only financing a portion of that vehicle. It, it, to me, it, you, almost anybody with a job can go get a leased car, a fairly fancy leased car, and, and make the payments. I don't think it represents status. It, it, this is an old mentality. There was a time when you needed a lot of money to drive a fancy car, and only a few People could actually afford to drive a Mercedes or a BMW. But I think the the average income in Canada, it's not a good idea, but you could probably get a leased BMW or Mercedes with an, a slightly above average income. So at the end of the day, who are you, who are you really trying Impressing. to impress? Yeah, and at yeah. that price tag. So it's not, I don't even really think it, it, it it's, it's no longer a status symbol in my eyes, when I see a car, I, I, I see consumption of wealth. I don't see a display of wealth. I see a consumption of wealth. Definitely. So I, I want to move on to point number two now. And your second point on why you should buy a used car is you become more resourceful. So I'd love to you to elaborate on this one. So you by owning a used car, I've always said being frugal or, or being good with your money, it, it's never easy, but it, it, it's always worth it. And so buying a used car, you first, you have to become resourceful to buy a used car. And we're going to do that next week. But I, a little bit up of it here is, is when you buy a new car, you just go and you pick the color, the options, and here's my money and you get your car. Well, when you're buying a, a used car, you have to do things like I said before, you have to say, you know, why is this for sale? And is this a good price given these kilometers and the condition of the car? So you have to be resourceful, inquisitive. You can't just show up and, and just sit there and, and sign a bunch of papers and drive away with your car. So that so the shopping part, you need to be resourceful. And then owning it, it, it it's, it's not, everything, everything's not covered under warranty. So you have to, you know, assess whether you're being taken advantage of at a garage or you have to pick a, de- a good mechanic to take your car to. You, you have to figure out if your tires are wearing out, should, should you replace them? So you have all these other factors that aren't things that aren't covered under warranty. And I just want to say, uh, so we had the person that wrote, wrote in about the problems they had with the car and they want to buy a new car with a warranty. Well, new car, the warranty is not free. It's built into the price of the new car. And if if the company offering the warranty, if if they weren't making money off of you paying for that warranty that's built into the price of the car, they would go out of business. So they're actually... They're turning a profit, building that warranty into the price of the car. So they're playing on your your sort of your weakness or your concern about your, your you never have to worry about a repair bill. Well, they're warranting 
the most reliable life, you know, time of that car. Like I think the best warranties go maybe five years. And in those five years, statistically speaking, nothing's going to go wrong with that car. That's why they're warranting that part. I want the company that's going to warranty the next five years because that's when everything starts to go. So you are paying for that warranty. There's not a company that could stay in business if you weren't. And and I, I want to say this, this resourcefulness that you learn with a car. Just say you have an apartment and you you buy a this used car and you become resourceful shopping for it and you become resourceful on maintaining it and and then the next thing you do you go you buy a a, a house and say it's a, a not a not a new house. Well, now you've built up some resourceful skills that you can take and they're going to be different, but the mindset, the mentality is going to be the same that you take to your home now. And now you approach your house with that same resourcefulness. So you've built up this resourceful toolbox, this, this way of thinking where everything's not just going to be handed to me. I got, I've got to do some research and I've got to figure things out. Well, now you have that mindset you can take to owning a home and being resourceful. Next thing you got, you got a family and you have to be resourceful again. You know, you can't buy everything for your kids brand new. You've, you've got to buy some things used. So you, you, building this resourcefulness is is a life skill worth having you're going to use it in all their aspects of your life and the first a good place to start building that is with cars used cars so you've owned quite a few used cars over your years and and you mentioned all these questions and and things to consider and, and ask when you are purchasing a used car but where did you and how did you begin to to know what to ask and to know what to think about did you have a guiding hand in in leading you down this used car buying path and 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 how what can you kind of recommend for either a 25 year old listener or a listener who's who's older than that and and buying their first used car well the the funny, I stumbled on this concept of only buying cars that are returned from leases. So a car that's been leased, leased to somebody for, say, three years, they, the person leasing that car is required under the lease agreement to, main, to, uh, to maintain that car at a minimum level, like regular oil changes, regular maintenance. It's part of the lease agreement. They have to do it. So the first used car I bought, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I happen to be, Another, I'm giving away next week's show, but another rule I have is if I'm buying a, a Ford, I only buy a used Ford from a Ford dealer. If I'm buying a Honda, I only buy a used Honda from a Honda dealer. So that, that's my rule. And th- so people will return their lease car to, say, Honda. And so they're gonna, you're going to get a good selection of used Hondas that have been maintained per the lease agreement. You... So I, I was the first used car I looked for. I was looking at, at a dealership and this guy's showing me these used cars and he's saying, and this one was returned from a lease. And I, I, it dawned on me. I said, why does that matter? And then so he went into that spiel and I said, oh my God, I, I'm never going to buy anything but a car returned from a lease. So I stumbled into that by accident. I, I didn't go looking for that, but a really uh, polished salesperson gave me that spiel and uh, had me hook, line, and sinker. I was, and so ever since then, I only bought cars returned from a lease. So that's that's sort of a, a, a trick I learned. But I think every time you buy a used car, so with the person that wrote in the, e- the email, they what they got out of buying used cars, I'm never going to buy a used car again. But if you peel the back of the onion, you look at it a little, you know, a little more detail, you might say to yourself, well, maybe I bought too old of a used car. Or maybe the used car I bought had too many kilometers on it. 
I, I just challenge that person to look at what, what went wrong at a more granular level. Right now, they're just saying, I bought a used car and it was a, a mess. You know, I'll never do that again. But you're giving up a great learning opportunity, an opportunity to, to, to maybe, you know how I said in a previous show, I learn more from the things that go wrong than the things that go right. If you're going to learn from things that go right, the only way you're going to know if, if, you're, if you have a skill for getting something right is time. So, you know, it, you'll have bought used cars for over the course of 20 years. And if you always ended up with a good used car, then you can look back and say, oh, I guess I do know how to buy used cars. It, it's worked out for 20 years. But if you bought a used car and something went wrong, try to figure out what you can learn from that. And, and don't just abandon used cars. Just say, maybe I bought too old or maybe I didn't look at to why these people were selling this car. You know, I just bought what the... I had a friend, he he had this philosophy and it, it, it didn't go well for him. He had this ratio, price of a car and the kilometers. And he just had this ratio and, and, and the best ratio wins. But you actually have to drive the car. You know, the, 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 it has to pass a smell test beyond the numbers. But I challenged this person who wrote in, try to gain something from that bad experience more than just used cars are bad. And I, I, I like how you, 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 you look back and, and you know that you, you learn from, from every, every kind of thing that goes wrong or every, I don't want to call it failure, but, but everything that just doesn't go right. And, and at what point did you look back on your used car buying experience and kind of give up the whole, oh, I guess I got lucky mentality. Was there, was there that kind of that squish that went off in your head where you're like, wow, I can do this. Well, here's something I did wrong with a, my one of my used car buying, buying experiences. I bought this 1992, I know it sounds pretty old, but it, it, this is going back in time. So a 1992 Chevy Astro van. And this thing was a tank. I mean, it, it just, it went, nothing went wrong with it. It was just bulletproof. I just, and I drove this thing all over the place and never left me stranded. It was a, maybe the, I'll say the second best used car I've ever owned. So when that finally wore out and it was getting near the end of its you know, reliableness, you know, every car has that life cycle. What did I, what, what would the average person do? They'd go out and buy another Chevy Astro van, but I bought it with blinders on. I just said, this van has been so good to me. I'm just buying another one. And I didn't look deep enough at this next one. I, I just knew it was an Astro van and they, I, I assumed they were all built well, didn't, but it turned out the next one I bought was a 97 and it wasn't built near as well and it was not as reliable and it may have been the worst used car I've ever owned. So I bought that thinking Astro vans are good and they'll be good forever, but that's not the case. Manufacturers change how they build their cars. So I I got burned on that one. So well, I would say burned. I had it I had it for about eight years, but it wasn't as reliable. It, it, it didn't let me down, but it tended to cost more to keep that thing going. So that's an example. So I decided, you know what? I have to op- be more open-minded. So I didn't go out and say, okay, Astro vans are bad. Well, it turns out they stopped making them <laughs> after that. So so maybe I was onto something there. But um I started broadening my, my horizons and I started looking at other car manufacturers and comparing, I did more comparing and I test drove more cars 
So I upped my game. So back, I think back to the first one, I might have test drove three cars, three vans before I picked one. And then the next one, I was so bound and bent of buying an Astro van. There was only so many Astro vans to test drive that I think I only test drove two. Well, that's that's a mistake right there. I So I learned something there. So the next used car I bought, I bet you I test drove 10 cars, maybe 12, before I decided, okay, I think this is the kind of car I want. And then I went and test drove a whole bunch of those. So I just test drove, and I probably overdid it, but I drove, I bet you I drove 20 used cars before I settled on one. And, and I probably invested way more time than I needed to, but I, I didn't want to make the same mistake. So I, I tried to learn something. I, I, I pulled out of that experience. I said, I, I, need to, I need to get better at this. So I need to change something. And, and that's, so I, that's what I learned from that experience. So my next question will lead into your third point of, of uh, around stress. And all of those experiences, the, the kind of the unreliability that you experienced with the second Astro van and all the other kind of stresses that you experienced, you say as your third point that there's less stress associated when you buy a used car, but it still seems that, I mean, there is a lot of stress. And given that I know we do discuss here on the podcast that um, convenience does, and being frugal does not, is not always the easiest way, but where does the less stress part come in? Well, if you do this right, your car will come pre-scratched, pre-dented. The interior will be pre-stained. <laughs> All these, not not horribly. Like I wouldn't buy this horribly disfigured car. That sounds like right? the like, dream. <laughs> no, but I mean, when you, so when you own a brand new car, it's eventually going to get a scratch. Well, that first scratch is so painful. I mean, it's like your child lost an arm. <laughs> <laughs> it is just tragic. I'm talking... And you will stew about it, not for a day, not for a week, but for months. You'll, especially if it happened on the driver's side and every time you get in, you see Ooh. it. Oh, it is, it is painful. And Trevor has and owned then, a new, used uh, new car for the record, for the, the point at this point. Yeah, I have. Yes. And, and then your first friend who gets in your car with a, a spicy chili dog <laughs> and, and it's it stinks up your car and they drip it all over the seat and they're and they're really sorry about it but i mean that doesn't help you right i mean that that hurts a lot too though those kind of things they're just they are painful and heaven forbid you get in an accident with a new car or any car it, your car is never the same i don't care how well the repair shop is your your car will never drive the same so and, and the other thing with a new car, your expectations are right at the top shelf. You expect perfection because you paid a huge premium that you want perfection. So when this car finally is older, say it's, you know, eight years old and things start breaking down, you still remember paying $65,000 for this truck. And it's, I can't believe it. It needs this and this and this. So your expectations on a new car are so much higher than they are for a used car, and they should be because you paid such a premium. So there's less stress in that your expectations of what this car, of what you hope to get out of this car, and one thing you're not going to get out of it is status, so you're, you're, that stress is gone. So your expectation of what you're going to get out of this used car have gone dramatically down. I mean, it is transportation. So to be transportation, it really does not have to deliver a whole lot other than Every morning, I want my car to start, and it does. Every morning, I want it to get me to work. It does. But, I mean, if it has to be shiny and, and, and current and uh, 
18 inch wheels and low profile tires and it, it has to have all those things eventually you're going to be disappointed it's not going to deliver so you would say all in all that your generally your used cars have provided less stress than than more stress and 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 the stress that you do experience is it is it is it justifiable well so you know our listener wrote in about stress about their car being unreliable and and I'm hoping I'm hoping for them it's a learning experience and they're going to continue with the used car but you can fix that 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 you can you can change your your approach so that stress might go away but when you buy a new car you can't change your expectations of this flawless vehicle becoming flawed so that stress you can never plan or or circumvent that stress it's always going to happen so let's move on to the fourth reason why you should buy a used car and and your fourth reason is it's that a car or a vehicle in general is the second largest purchase you will ever make and and it's true it, there is a lot of money being poured into this this is vehicle so you, you really it really matters at the end of the day how much money you're spending on it and it's it's a significant amount of money but when people go to buy the car the the way they sell it to you is the monthly payments that's how they sell it in fact i see signs that says this drives me crazy bi-weekly payments Ooh. you know from whatever cuz they do that cuz it's a smaller number right it's just marketing you're making a monthly payment but they're breaking it into bi-weekly payments so you can you know you can digest a smaller number but i, I know people making $1200 truck payments $1200 a month i mean that's a big number and and at the end of the day even if they can sell you on the payments you still have to pay for the whole thing. You still have to buy the whole the whole vehicle. So you're still in for $65,000 on your four-door pickup truck that you're going to drive like a car and you'd never dream of putting dirt in the back of something that costs that much. So I and and people will will buy cars like it's they're not I I hear people talk about, you know, they're buying a car and it's not it's it should be as close to the significance of buying a house in that it's going to go down in value. So you your chances of recovering from a bad decision are, are greater than just say you bought too much house and you decide you know a year from now I, I can't afford this place. Well, chances are it went up in value. You can sell it and and maybe minimize your losses. But if you buy a sixty five thousand dollar truck and you decide I can't afford this, you can't get out of this thing without writing a check like you're, you're gonna you're gonna take a loss to get out of this mistake so it is a significant life purchase and it should be regarded with very cautious approach and i, I mean i think we'll dive into this point and in the part two of this episode but when we're when we're talking about as a, a large purchase do you have any parameters around um how long it should take to pay back this car is there is there a good good price range you should or good range I guess you should aim for so a couple of uh, things these are sort of benchmarks I've heard and I kind of agree with them so ideally you'll pay cash for a car a used car but just say you can't the maximum amount of time the maximum is three years that I will borrow money for a car so that is that is I there's no I've got no give on that it is a 36 months 
That is the lock, stock, and barrel. If you can shrink that, even better. And another number, just to sort of bounce around, is 50% of your annual income is tied up in things with wheels. So I don't don't care if you have motorcycles, boats, you know, boat on a boat trailer, (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, anything with wheels tends to go down in value. So anything with, so 50% of your annual household income is tied up. So at any point in time, you take a snapshot, you look out in your driveway, what are those worth today? And they cannot exceed 50% of your annual income. Otherwise, I think you have too much car. The three, I want to go back to the three years. You said you kind of agree with these, these stats that have been thrown out. Is, is three years a realistic number for any aged individual at any point in their life? Is that something you'd kind of um, impart on our 25-year-old listener as you would our, our older listener maybe with um, making a bigger salary? Is, 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 that, is that kind of realistic? Well, th- of course, if you have a bigger salary, you, you can afford a fancier car, but I think the three-year, if you can't pay pay this car off in three years, just a couple of things have happened. One is you didn't have a big enough down payment or you bought too much car for giving your salary. And the other thing is having money borrowed on something that's going down in value is a financial emergency and, and financial emergencies need to be dealt with in small windows of time. So I, I don't want you to get comfortable with a $1,200 truck payment and, and think, oh, okay, I, I can live with this. I, I can manage this. I, I want, you're, you're not going to get ahead financially having, getting comfortable with payments on things that are going down in value. A, a $65,000 truck is a pure lifestyle expense. There, there's, is, is, is beyond transportation. So the three years is because we, I believe if you've borrowed money for something that's going, going down in value, you, you've, You've introduced a financial emergency into your life. You've brought risk in. You need to get it out ASAP. So I've picked three years as a reasonable length of time to get that out of your life. In fact, if I met somebody and I was helping them with their finances and they had a eight-year car loan, I would say, what can we do to get this done in three years? If we can't, we need to sell your cars and get something we can pay them for three years. So even if I encountered somebody who had had car loans beyond three years, I would do everything I could to convince them to get out of that. I'd be interested to see how many, just like a statistic about how many people, first of all, own used cars in Canada, if we're going to look at Canada, and how many people are paying their car car loans off in three years. Because to your point about the marketing that you, uh, you mentioned earlier, there definitely is heavy marketing around justifying the complete opposite of those two things. I think you might find a lot of people are leasing cars over three years. That doesn't count. So leasing a car for three years, that does not qualify. Because at the end of the three years, you're giving the car back and you're getting into another lease. So it, it's, it's just a revolving payments that you're making. This is, you own the vehicle outright inside three years. So I want to jump onto our second last point, point number five, why we should buy a used car. And I really, really like this point. Um, point number five is this is a purchase you will repeat and so you should have to get it right. Yeah, so if you get your car buying mentality wrong and just say you're in this cycle of leasing cars or buying cars every three or four years, you are getting this wrong. So we talked that it's the second largest purchase you'll ever make, but the but the problem is, just say you, a house is the biggest purchase. 
you might buy one or two houses in your lifetime, maybe three, just say you bought three houses and don't put aside the fact that they go up in value. If you, if you're one of these people who have an appetite and your car is your status symbol and you want them a current model all the time, you're, you're, you're dropping so much money on, on cars. And if you get it wrong, you're repeating this every, I mean, okay, best case scenario, you're, you're repeating it every 10 years, but I'll, I'll bet you most people are repeating this every five to eight years. They're getting this wrong and they're just parting with money. I mean, I work with people, I got a parking lot just full of real current cars. And every time I look out there, I just sort of do a mental, you know, how many cars are inside three years old. And I, I usually come up with about 70% of them are. So I'm saying 70% of the people where I work are into car payments or they're dropping serious money on cars over and over and over. If you can, if you can break that, that chain and, and get this right, get into a used car and, and get in and get in. I, I say, don't be comfortable with car payments. Get into a mindset where car payments really suck. I hate car payments. I can't wait till these are over and get into that mentality where you just, you hate it. But there's people who just get comfortable with car payments. I can live with this. I'm always going to have a car payment. I can live with this car payment. I think the, I think I read the average car payment in Canada is $600 a month. Well, if you just think if you took $600 a month and you invested it, I mean, where, where, where would you be in 20 years of, of used cars and investing $600 a month? No, that's, that's, it's, it's a, it's a tr- really true point. And the, the idea about, um, we getting, we're getting, we get used to it. I mean, the, the this complacency at it, at its finest. And I think we swallow that because having a car, it's, it's, it's mandatory or, or needed for me to get to my place of employment. That's valid. You might need a car to get to your, to your job every day, but so, so I think we kind of can justify just like we need groceries to eat. We, we kind of just swallow those expenses and, and look at them as, well, it's a, it's a fact of life. I think the dangerous one is the leases. People get into the lease and they get sold on, you know, you never have to put tires on this thing, you know, because you, you own it in such a small, you know, the lease period, generally nothing's going wrong in, inside of a three-year lease. So all you got to do is you have a mileage restriction and you got to bring it back usually you have to get them detailed somewhere so you take it back and they're really clean. And they they think, okay, that's the only expense to owning this car. But they're losing sight of, they have bought the most expensive part of that car. They've bought the first three years of that car. That is far and away the most expensive three years that car will ever see. The, I'm buying the the remaining 12 or 15 years of that car. They're the cheapest years. No, that, and that, that's a good point. We've mentioned that before on the show, but I, I think that point right there is worth reiterating. So I, let's talk about point number six. And your sixth point, you kind of mentioned this earlier, but it's it's borrowing money. So why you shouldn't buy these cars because you're borrowing money when you do buy new for something that goes down in value. So this is, is the, the problem with this is when you borrow, buy your $65,000 truck over over eight years, what you've done is you've introduced a huge amount of risk into your life that wasn't there before. So just say you're driving a used car and it's fully paid for. And then it, just say it's 10 or 15 years old and all your buddies are driving brand new trucks. So you decide, I'm going to go get a brand new truck. So you go get your $65,000 truck and the guys, they're nice enough to let you finance it over eight years at 7%. <laughs> 
those great guys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, now you've added risk to your life. But a lot of people don't know the risk. The, one of the risks you've got is because cars depreciate at such a rate. So your car loan, you're paying off in linear fashion. So you've signed up for $1,200 truck payments and the principal of that loan will go down on a linear basis. So it's going down on a straight line. The problem is the value of your vehicle is not going down like that. So in a perfect world, your car would depreciate at exactly the same rate as your car loan is being paid down. So you would, you would, at any given point in time, you could sell your car for what it's worth, right? That would be the perfect scenario. But the problem is the car is losing its value dramatically in those first three years. So at, at, at some point, you're upside down on your car loan, meaning just say you decided I can't afford these $1,200 truck payments or I, I just lost my job, I got to sell this truck. All of a sudden, you owe $50,000 on it but the truck's only worth $40,000. So you have to write, you got a $10,000 check you have to write to the financing company just to get out of this thing. So that is, that's the risk a lot of people don't realize they've introduced into their lives. They, they just think they could sell it, right? Most people think, oh, I could just sell this thing. Now, if you bought a used car, all that depreciation has been paid by your friendly leaser, right? <laughs> they, yeah. they paid all that depreciation up front for you. So just say you bought a three-year-old car and after the end of the f- two years, you decide, I can't afford this thing. I just lost my job. You could probably sell it for more than you owe on it and walk away with a bit of money in your pocket. So the the beauty of a used car is it, 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 what, whatever its value is, it's going to depreciate in more of a linear fashion than the new car after the three-year point. Actually, I think the sweet spot is after five years, it, it really flattens out. So, but I, I just think buying a new car, you introduce so much risk in your life that you, you don't realize the risk until something goes wrong, like a, like a job loss. So that brings us to the end of the six Trevor put together points about why you should buy a used car. I have a small kind of seventh bonus point to add in um, that has just come out of conversations that uh, you and I have had together, Trevor. And and the seventh point is that you said when you got into your new vehicle, because you just bought a new used vehicle, and you said that it felt like a rocket ship because of all the uh, updated and features inside that your older car didn't have because you had waited obviously so for 12 years to buy a new car. That is a good point. I never thought of that one, but you're right. I, so I'm getting into, into my, I think, I think it's, it's, so it's four years old. So I'm getting into my four year old used car and all the options in this car. So I'm going to talk about them like they're, 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 they're fancy. So Bluetooth, <laughs> heated seats, Tinted windows. Uh, it doesn't have a cassette player. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's got all it's got a bunch of things that that are just like it's got power windows and power locks. This is just what cars have today. Yeah. But for for me, it's like I've got all these 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 are things I twelve years ago I would have to pay a premium for in a new car. Cars just come with them now. But you're right. For me. I was so excited when I saw like it's got this great big screen and it's all touch screen and but again I would tell you like that that's just a car today but for me it's it's so I get the excitement 
without having to pay for it. That's a very good point. And I mean, and for our listeners too, Trevor, you you meant you've mentioned before that your wife's car has still has cranked down windows. So, I mean, that when she gets a new car, the I can that will be just like it'll be like definitely a rocket ship. Well, you know, when we went looking for this this most recent car, uh, the the guy says, "So, what are you looking for in a car?" <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of joked. I said, "I'm looking for something that doesn't make a cassette player." <laughs> and he goes. You're in luck. We don't have any with cassette players, so <laughs> anything on the lot. He probably thought so you were joking. He, he did, but then then he saw what I was what I was driving, and he goes, "Oh yeah, <laughs> probably as a cassette player." Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, that's it's a fun bonus seventh point, but I think yeah, it brings that you don't need to spend. You actually spend less than you would to when you bought a new car, but you get kind of this a little new excitement for for buying a used car. So, Trevor, that brings us to the end of our show today on part one of our uh, used car annual series of why you should buy a used car. Next week, you can look forward to listening to how to buy a used car and how to go about doing that using kind of some of Trevor's um, most trusted tips and tricks on how he's navigated the used car world. Before we end the show today, do you have any final thoughts or takeaways for our listeners um, for, for considering why to buy a used car? Well, you know, I'm a big fan of, of, of the whys. You know, I always say if you have a big enough why, so if you have a big enough reason why you should own a used car, then figuring out how to buy a used car is easy. But in this case, it's not. The how to buy a used car, if you can learn from somebody else, you can save yourself, like the listener who wrote in with their email, you can save yourself a lot of heartache. So this is one where you should try to, learn as much from somebody else as you can and not try to learn all it on, on your own. And on that note, thank you so much for being here with us today for another episode of Simple Money Solutions Podcast. We can't wait to have you back here with us next week as we talk about the hows of how to buy a used car. Until then, keep it simple. <laughs>